Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today, we are talking about James 5, 13 through 20, and the power of steadfast prayer within our Christian communities. We have with us today Patricia Sims and Julie Hanna. And Patricia is a recent member of our Women's Council here. So she has worked diligently to serve the women here at First Presbyterian Church, Augusta. And we have been blessed by uh, the many prayers that she has prayed for the women uh, on our council, but also the women at our church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I know Julie well because she's a good friend of mine. And Julie and I have taken many long walks together in which we've talked about things that we want to pray for one another about. And it has been a sweet thing to have a friend who is steadfast in prayer for me. And we've enjoyed talking about some of the sweet ways the Lord's answered that. So very grateful to have both of y'all here with us this morning. Would you both take a minute to introduce yourselves and then answer our favorite question of the day, which is what has been a favorite recent road trip? And I know you both are roadies, so I'm looking forward to these answers. I'm Patricia. Um, My husband, Randy, and I have three adult children. I've been a telephone operator, a missionary, paralegal, a teacher, and a caretaker. And uh, right now I'm at a chapter break. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm Julie Hanna, and um, I am married to Erin Hanna, who is a pediatrician, and we have two children, uh, Jacob, who's a junior, and Molly, who is a sophomore, and they both go to Westminster, and I stay at home and take care of them. All right, so your chapter break and you're staying at home, but you also, I know, have been on some fun road trips. So, mm-hmm. Pat, tell me about a fun road trip for y'all recently, and then Julie, follow suit. Okay, well, in August, our uh, whole family spent a week uh, outside of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, uh, glamping. That's glamour camping (laughs) with the accent on camping. Uh, It was fun to eat out under, cook and eat together out under open skies. Uh, We rafted um, on $7.00. Air mattresses from Walmart, and uh, I took walks with my daughter-in-law every morning. It's real sweet. Um, And Randy and I discovered that we stink at the game, a game called Code Names. What's it? Is that like mafia or anything? Do you know what mafia is? What it is, but it's just a Randy and I are just too slow and too old or too dumb. (laughs) Something I'm not sure which. It's not too dumb. I can attest to that. Definitely not that. (laughs) We, um enjoy taking road trips. And um, I'll have to say, I think Aaron's superhero power is planning road trips for sure. <laughs> nice. So I get to really benefit from all of his planning. Um, so I guess the most recent one we did during coronavirus, um, when we were quarantined, but could maybe still get outside, um, we went um, in the spring uh, or early summer to Circleville, West Virginia, um, and we did a fun hike. Um, it was called a Via Ferrata, which I have never heard of. Mm. Um, but basically it is, um, there are like suspend, suspended bridges like you see in Indiana Jones. Oh. Um, there are iron rods that are in the mountain that you can use to climb and to um, go up and down and around. And it is... Um, very exciting, very mm-hmm. fun, challenging, 
uh, for all four of us, it was challenging in different ways, but a really great bonding experience. And it was beautiful. I would definitely go back. So. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll have to get some more details on that one. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like a lot Very of adventurous. fun. Yeah. I love the mountains. In fact, um, our recent road trip was to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we've only lived in Augusta for a few years. And so everything is still pretty new to us as we're exploring. So places that are pretty familiar to people who are Augustans are not as familiar to us. And so we're still doing lots of exploring. And Augusta is just really neatly situated. Just a few hours, you know, you're at a coast. A few hours, you're in the mountains. And so it's it's really neat uh, in its location. So we drove for Marcus' birthday. Marcus is my husband. And we drove to the Blue Ridge Mountains in Asheville for his birthday and just spent a few days there. All the beautiful scenery. And the I think the, the icing on the cake was when we were leaving out, it snowed. Oh, and yeah. it snowed and snowed and snowed. And so to see all the mountains just um, with a blanket of snow and just the beauty of all of that, it was just really awesome. And our kids went with us. And they've missed snow since we moved from St. Louis. And so how sweet of the Lord to give us a day of snow Absolutely. that we didn't have to stay in and see the ickiness that happens day two. We got to just experience all the pretty virgin snow. So it was nice. That's very nice. My kids were so mad at me because I flew up to Indiana and uh, for one of the big snowstorms that came in February. And they were so jealous that I got like eight <laughs> inches. And they, they were hankering to see that. So that was fun, but it wasn't a road trip. It was a plane trip. And a road trip that my family does often is to Fripp Island. Because like you said, Vanessa, Augusta is so perfectly situated. Mm-hmm. We can get to Fripp Island, the coast, in three hours. It's really a fun drive, and we've got it sectioned off in our minds. Like Section 1 is really sort of getting out of Augusta. Section 2 is going through that SRS land. Section 3 is all these little towns. And then Section 4 is starting to get to Beaufort and then and through the island. So mm-hmm. it kind of gets broken up, and it goes fast. and. We really enjoy it. We have a good time. And then when you arrive to Fripp, it's literally like the road. It feels like it just ends at the coast. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. You're, you're there. And Fripp has this, is a sort of place where one could easily believe that you're, all will, all will be well here in this place is what it feels mm-hmm. like. You know, I was thinking in a sense, life is one big road trip and we move through its different scenes and landscapes with those in our families and our communities. And we're seeking to find a lasting state of well-being, but oftentimes the road's bumpy, it's twisty, it's full of painful potholes. And, you know, remember how we said at the beginning of our study that the Apostle James in this letter is writing to people on such a road uh, where their families scattered abroad, they're facing trials and sufferings of many kinds, while steadily making their way together to their eternal heavenly home. Throughout his letter, he tells them and us what it looks like to travel by steadfast faith together. Now, here in the last section of his letter, he speaks in detail about the best vehicle in which to do this sort of steadfast traveling, and that is the vehicle of prayer. Our passage for today is James 5, 13 through 20, as I've already said, and if you haven't read it, we encourage you to hit the pause button and take a moment to do so. Admittedly, this passage can be a hard and tricky one for many people. Vanessa, why do you think that is? You're right. It is hard and tricky for many, and I think it's partially because of some of the assumptions we bring to the text and partially just because of what it says. Mm -hmm. It it talks about the prayer of faith will save those who who are sick and it makes people have faith crisis. Um, I've I've heard people have to wrestle with, okay, so was my loved one not healed because I didn't have enough faith? And that is just 
such a tragedy of this text right. because this particular text lays on top of so much and you know uh, other texts well you know all of the, we've learned about James and what he's saying earlier in this passage but also the whole of scripture mm-hmm. and so it has to be viewed in light of that mm-hmm. but this prayer of faith I mean I, I've had my own faith crisis mm-hmm. um, in praying that my uncle would be healed from cancer and feeling called to pray for him to do so and when he wasn't I was crushed. Um, But after later studying and understanding a bit more, I learned that my prayer wasn't uh, necessarily to raise him up. It it didn't take, the Lord could do that without my prayer. Mm. But my prayer was serving other purposes in that I, I had the opportunity to participate in the will of God. And part of that was ushering my uncle into eternity and into eternal healing. And so my prayer was a participation in that. And so our prayers are never separated from the will of God. It's never that we are praying our own will and demanding that the Lord do what we ask. It is we get the privilege of sharing in his will. And that's the sweet space of where he's saying that the sick will be raised up. Um, The prayers of faith raises the sick. Yeah, I thought that was interesting just if to to look at what the wills are in that yeah. passage and yeah. who does what and what will happen as a result of that. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Right. So that forgiveness, that eternal, you know, being raised up to eternal glory and of that salvation of our souls. And um, yeah, it also highlights just that that we're to pray in all situations. Right. Uh, it's if you're suffering, pray. If you're if you're cheerful, sing. <clears throat> excuse me. You sing songs of praise. And when I think about singing, their um, singing would have largely come out of the Psalter, mm-hmm. where there are some of the most beautiful prayers you can sing. Mm-hmm. And then if it, let them sit, call for the elders, and what are they to do? They're to pray. Yeah. And and so situationally, we are just expected to pray. There's this assumption that we are people given to prayer. Mm. And I see, again, that same assumption in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been drawing parallels all while we've been talking about this study to James echoing his big brother, Jesus. Right. Uh, and in the Sermon on the Mount in particular, where Jesus is saying, when you pray. Mm-hmm. So there's this assumption that we are people who pray. And mm-hmm. James reminds us in every situation, it is right to pray. Yeah. Which is such a sweet thing that God wants us to participate in the will that he's doing. I mean, how much, at least in our minds, easier to just do what it is you want to do right. without including us in the intimate way in which he does. It is. But what, mm-hmm. man, what would we lose? We would lose that participation with the spirit who prays on right. our behalf. We would, mm-hmm. uh, and Jesus who prays on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And we would lose that participation in um, just modeling his goodness and participating in that grace and what he does in our heart as we pray right. uh, and what he does in our community. James is confessing yes. our sins to one another that we might be healed. So there's a community aspect of what happens when we pray as well. So absolutely. Yeah. I love that James then gives a, an example of what this looks like through Elijah. Yes. Yes. And he says two things about him. He says he's righteous, which we know we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And in the old Testament times, Covenantally, their righteousness would have come to their commitment to the covenant that the Lord then fulfilled in Christ. It wasn't that Elijah was a perfect man. Right. He was a man committed to the covenant that God had given him. But he was also someone who was in our nature. And so he was weak and he had all of the failings that we oftentimes feel when we go to prayer. But then he uses the example that he prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain. And for three and a half years, it didn't rain, which was God's judgment on wayward Israel. 
and he asked Elijah to enter into that with him then for the good ultimately of Israel to show them his mercy when the rain did come. And so when you're saying that, that community aspect Mm -hmm. that Elijah was engaged in fervent prayer for the people of God, with the people of God, because he was under the same type of drought, same type of conditions, experienced the same type of mercy, very much interconnected with the people. And that he prayed very specifically according to the way that the Lord had revealed. And just how important that is that you already mentioned that when we know the revealed world, the revealed will of God, Mm -hmm. we pray in line with that. And then some of the more mysterious things that we don't know, and we can still ask for, but we have that foundation of knowing that our prayers are encompassed within the will of God. And he gives us real confidence that he got to participate in a a people repenting. Right. Yeah. It's just powerful. Yep. Have that in this passage too. confess your sins, right. To one another and pray that you be healed. Absolutely. So praying in God's will is is harder, though, in some circumstances than others. We know that we are people who are to be given to prayer. That's the assumption that's being made. But uh, it, it seems, I know for me personally, prayer is easier. It's easier for me to think to pray in some situations than it is others. So what about you, ladies? Are, there, are you more likely to pray when you're suffering or are you more likely to pray when you're cheerful? Um, for me personally, I would say that... I mean, I know I need him all the time, but suffering Mm -hmm. so often just highlights uh, my own weakness Mm -hmm. and just insufficient, you know, strength um, and just my dependency on him. So I tend to uh, pray when cheerful, but not as often. I, I more often will shift my focus to the Lord when I'm suffering as I just cry out to him and feel that I depend on him more during that time. That's good. It it is because, um, I mean, that's, it's so for me as well, because I think of when I'm suffering often, it's like, I have nowhere else to go. Where else can Mm -hmm. I find the help that I need other than in a sovereign God? And so I'm, I'm driven to pray when I'm suffering. What about you, Pat? Well, I think I actually pray more when I'm cheerful because it's easier for me to understand that the good thing, the enjoyment um, that I've received that from the Lord. I, mm-hmm. Sometimes when suffering, I I think I get stuck trying to figure out what's wrong and think I have to know what's wrong before I pray. You know, mm-hmm. so sometimes I, get, you know, I'm, I'm stymied. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm, it's hard to figure out, but that is so good. That is so good. What about you, Amber? What's Pat saying makes sense to me, uh, but just trying to figure a thing out before you pray. Mm. And But I was thinking last night, we just came off of two days of birthday celebrations. Uh, it's my birthday on the March 8th, and it's Creed's, my oldest son's birthday on March the 9th. Mm. And there were just certain things that I found myself praying before those two days came about. There were some, just some things to pray through. And at the end of last night, I was laying in bed late, just recounting all of the good gifts. Mm. Uh, not literally all the good gifts, but you know, <laughs> yeah. that was some birthday. Gifts. That was some birthday. <laughs> and I got this, and I got this, and I got this. Uh, not, not, not so much, not so much that at all. But and then I wanted to pray and say thank you, Lord. And I found myself sort of stopping. And I thought there is part of me that sometimes feels afraid to pray my Thanksgiving, whether it's like, well, I didn't really deserve for that thing to happen. Or maybe that happened because I did so-and-so or so-and-so did so-and-so versus just freely 
resting and thanking the Lord for something that he did Mm -hmm. that either I didn't contribute to, I had no control over, Mm -hmm. or I felt like I didn't deserve. And so for me, practicing those prayers of praise is is an act of trust, of just really believing in a good God who invites me to pray and to praise him. Uh, Courtney has a little summary or a, a, she talks about the big picture of this passage in her book, Steadfast. And it was made me think about this where she says that God wants us, welcomes us and invites us to come to him in prayer in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. When we're suffering, joyful, sick, in sin and in need, he wants us to pray when our faith is weak and when our faith is strong. He wants us to pray fervently, frequently, and faithfully. Regardless of the questions you might have about this text, don't lose sight of the glorious truth that our Lord Jesus desires us to come to him in prayer in all things. I just love that. I needed that reminder. Mm -hmm. And I want y'all to tell me each in your individual ways. I want to start with Julie. In light of that, the fact that God welcomes us in all things, Jules, what what have you learned in the past few years about the role of prayer in parenting teenage children? Um, Well, definitely... One predominant theme of the teenage years has been, for me, less and less control over Mm -hmm. my kids' choices, circumstances, and futures, which has definitely tempted me to be more fearful and even to panic at times. Um, Aaron and I find ourselves more often than not looking at each other and throwing our hands up um, and just saying, we have no idea what to do. So... um, I'm learning to rely less on myself and more on the Lord, which has definitely led me to pray. Um, I'm learning to pray often and boldly and then to wait expectantly um, and just remembering no prayer is too big or too small. Uh, A real sweet example of this, which happened fairly recently, um, was when one of our kids made plans to get together with a friend who really was not a good influence. And really the thought of them hanging out brought up a lot of fears. Um, However, we felt led as parents to refrain from intervening at the time, just kind of for the sake of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And we decided to just pray that the Lord would cancel those plans. Um, And an hour before Uh, They were to meet a different friend whom we trusted, uh, called with news that their family had a last minute opening for their vacation. And could Mm. our child come along, even though it was very last minute and they'd be uh, leaving within the hour. Um, And our child excitedly came running downstairs just to plead with us uh, before they could even make a case. And to their great surprise, we (laughs) gave a resounding yes. Um, And I just thought, what a gracious God. Mm -hmm. He not only answered our specific prayer, but gave us really more than we asked for. Um, We got to be the good guys and Mm -hmm. delight in saying yes to our teenager. Um, Really, there's many more examples like that that I could share, as well as prayers that we lift up daily and have yet to see him answer. But he is definitely teaching me that the more I pray and depend on him, the more I see his goodness and the less mm-hmm. fearful I become. Just mm-hmm. not only is he big enough for me, but he's also big enough for Jacob and mm-hmm. Molly. And mm-hmm. I really never have to panic. Mm. I love how you you shared that story to, with me one time when we were walking. And what I love, I love a lot of things about that, but what I loved in that moment when you were telling me that is the fact that you have 
genuine delight in what you believe to be the provision of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's different than going for a walk with a friend who says, and then I told them they weren't going to do that. And then I made sure they didn't do that. And then, Mm -hmm. and, and because you could say, you're just going to pray about that. You're going to, you're going to let them do that thing. You just pray about that. No, 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 no. You got to do that. And I just thought it's such a sweet gift to me as a friend Mm. to believe that the Lord intervenes in these ways. Cause we all know at our core that yes, we want to parent well, best of our abilities, but we're limited and there's things Mm -hmm. we can't control. And there's one who is in charge of that space Mm -hmm. and what a sweet thing that is. So that was a gift to me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. It's a gift to all of us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Pat, I want to know from you, because I've been in a small group where you've mentioned this before and it stuck out to me. So for you, when when James talks about confessing our sins to one another, it's such a vulnerable thing. And I've seen you, I've heard you allude to doing that and it has been an encouragement to me. What does it look like for you to confess your sins to someone else, if you don't mind sharing, and find uh, that the Lord honors that and brings about healing and forgiveness? Well, as I've grown in the Lord, um, He's God's helped me embrace confession as a gift of His to draw me close. You know, it, it takes me to a place, you know, where Jesus washes away my sin. And the person I've sinned against the most, besides the Lord, is uh, my husband Randy. So uh, one uh, time of confession, I uh, to Randy, I was in a hotel room between. Uh, Colorado and Yellowstone. Um, the Holy Spirit had convicted me through reading a passage of Scripture uh, that my heart wasn't "quote unquote" with Him, and uh, so I admitted to Randy, uh, you know, how much I'd withdrawn and uh, become judgmental. Of course, Randy already knew um, mm-hmm. that I was distant and mm-hmm. judging him, uh, but being brought honest with him you know, brought me out of hiding. Um, Confession was a start, um, uh, a simple step of obedience. Um, You know, when I didn't know how to change my heart. And Mm -hmm. um, so it ended up softening both of us. Mm. Uh, It motivated Randy to pray for me. And uh, with, uh, you know, forgiveness and prayer came connection. Uh, so we left the hotel room and went on to some clear skies and the mystery of Yellowstone, but we took with us uh, the mystery of a, a kind of a breath of new life in our marriage. Now, Randy and I are not yet healthy uh, or whole, so please continue to pray for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do know that we're not what we once were, mm-hmm. and we do know um, that the healing is because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just such practical um, results of praying together. I, I think there's just something powerful that happens, especially in a marriage, when you hear someone calling upon the God of the universe on your behalf, of, on behalf of your brokenness or on behalf of your needing blessing or on behalf of whatever. It is something that is deeply unifying about that. So, yeah, that is, uh, I love that you've told us that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet thing in a marriage, and it's a sweet thing in a community of believers. Absolutely. And Vanessa, you've experienced that in the ways you pray for us as women here at First Pres on Monday morning. So tell us a little bit about what it is, why it is, what it is that you yeah. do, yeah. and what you've seen come from that. 
Yeah, quite frankly, the why um, is desperation. <laughs> the why is um, coming into this role, being given uh, a roster of wonderful women and saying, Lord, what do I do with them? How do I serve them and how do I honor you in that? And um, I don't know the answer to that yet, but I believe if I keep talking to you about them, you'll show me. Mm. And and so it was just that desperation to get before the Lord. And he has given it's. Um, just much more than I could have imagined by praying for women. And so I pray for a number of women each Monday and I notify them a few days before that I'm praying for them by name. And I, it was impressed upon my heart that that personal aspect of that was important that um, I needed to, I couldn't just serve a group of women and not have a personal interaction at some juncture. Um, And so just that, you know, notifying them and um, saying, I'm praying for you in particular by name. And what has come from that? Like my earlier days in in, uh, my role, I remember like the first week, there was a lady who came in my office, maybe the first week I was praying and had had kind of gotten that going. There was a lady who had never seen me before, uh, had never met me. She'd probably seen me on screen or whatever, um, you know, as they announced me to the church. But she came into my office and the very first thing that she did was she grabbed a tissue and sat down. And I instantly knew, I was like, okay, she's going to trust me with something hard. And Mm -hmm. so I'm already honored because that's sacred space to me when people want to come in and share their story. And so what I saw the Lord do over and over again, and they weren't all people coming in person. Um, Sometimes it was just people who would send me an email. I'm so glad you asked. The timing of the email is always such a God thing because I can't tell you how many emails it's been that people have said, this has been the hardest day of my life and that the Lord would allow an email to come for prayer on this day. Or just this past Monday, getting to walk with a mom having a baby, uh, it just happened to be her prayer day, (laughs) you know? I've just seen the Lord do so many amazing, wonderful things and knitting my heart to a people and a people's heart to mine. And so it's just been beautiful to watch him do that through prayer. Mm-hmm. Prayer just cuts through a lot of triviality in a way and, and builds connection in a way that nothing else quite does is what I've experienced. And, and so James does, he makes a lot of assumptions about the connectedness of church members. So how can we as members of the church foster that same type of connection that James is talking about. Well, James keeps addressing us as brothers Mm. and sisters, as Courtney Doctor points out. (laughs) Uh, And I have two sisters I'm very close with. Um, So uh, in the way of challenge, you know, I really want to grow to see every woman in the church as my sister. as, and realize, you know, more and more that God's put me in a specific family, um, you know, for his glory and um, something to foster. I, you know, I'd say avail, avail ourselves of the Sunday school classes. Uh, Shep Shepherd's teaching in the Trinity class on uh, helped my prayer life so much. Um, just one time when he ex- expounded on Matthew 6 about how God doesn't require a lot of words in prayer, um, that kind of thing. And, uh, and then seizing um, the small opportunities to pray together, like at the close of a walk or uh, before a task, a simple task. It just, you know, brings a level of intimacy. So that's the connection I've uh, been exploring and enjoying more. Well, and referencing it as your family, you know, that you're committed to, 
I think, you know, within the church, we've talked about this before, it can get messy at times. It can get discouraging at times. People can say things to you that are offensive. You can say things to them that are offensive. And you do learn in a family, like, yeah, it's messy sometimes, but you're still a family. And I think that's a great thing to remember in the church as well. It is messy at times, Mm -hmm. but we're still a family and a lot of good comes through that. And Mm -hmm. to take, to seize those sweet opportunities and graces and find that that is, um, what is needed to be applied to the mess. It's a sweet thing. Yeah, I love the picture of the family and um, praying for each other and being intentional, um, I think connecting to each other in a way where it's two ways, where we're initiating and, and sharing our needs as well as seeking to know um, each other and to know um, what the needs of our brothers and sisters are, um, then we can all, as we share those prayer requests, I think more prayers are going up to the Lord. Therefore, um, more people are enjoying His goodness and um, seeing His goodness and just more praises, you know, go um, go up to Him. Mm-hmm. Julie, I like how you're saying that it's both offering our own vulnerability, neediness, and then asking that of others or welcoming that then from others as well. And I think maybe as a pastor's wife and maybe other pastor's wives can relate if they are listening to this there, even though I know better, I could still somehow think that I need to do business with the Lord very individually in a sense especially about some deep things. And then when I come to church, be on for service and good conversations and hearing other people. And I do want to do all of those things. But if I let that idea creep in that I'm just on when I go to church, then I don't come to receive all that the body then has to give Mm -hmm. to me as well in worship together. So as opposed to thinking, I'm going to come to this space and offer to think I'm going to come to this space and offer and receive. And we're all going to do that together because we're really receiving from the Lord in a special way, special way in a worship um, Mm -hmm. situation. And that's been good for me when I'm not thinking that way. It's easy to want to retreat um, because it seems so duty driven as opposed to just the enjoyment of the graces here. So much of scripture is given in the context of community, which speaks of the assumption that we will be in community and that we won't just live as individuals. And James makes these assumptions as he reminds us to live righteously, confessing our sins to one another, being healed, being built up by one another, being reminded of the privilege we have to participate in the will of God as we confidently pray the prayer of faith with the confidence that he hears us and is pleased to answer. And with that, a note of encouragement. We hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you spring clean or take a bike ride. I recommend the bike ride. (laughs) Leslie Bogdanow and Megan Pierce will be joining us for our final episode of the season as we look back at past highlights from our time together in the book of James. We'd love for you to listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while she sings. It is the Lord rises with healing in his wings when comforts are declining he grants the soul again a season of pure shining 
to cheer it after the rain. 